0: Welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your
1: host, Katie Lazarus. Hi, welcome back to the Employee of the Month show. On this episode, I sat down with Stacey London. She's best known as a fashion expert who gained fame co-hosting a TV show that's been on the air since 2002. What Not to Wear has had a longer shelf life than most reality shows, because London is intelligent, and I can safely say that is absolutely missing from most reality TV. We did disagree about Spanx. I feel like when you put things on like Spanx and push-up bras, first of all, you're just gonna feel bad when they come off. And also, I feel like it's a little bit of false advertising. I'd be annoyed if guys did that. But I'm sort of just in that phase where I'm just trying to be happy with what God gave me and, well, actually what ice cream gave me or what I gave myself post-ice cream and pre-ice cream. I don't know. I'm just trying to be comfortable in my own skin. So we did agree to disagree on the subject of how much perfecting is necessary. I can't imagine having that type of discussion with anyone who isn't as smart as Stacey. And that's why I enjoyed sitting down with her. This episode was taped live at Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre. So please enjoy my discussion with Stacey London. And if you want to check out pictures from the show, because you'll see Rob Lathan comes out trying on a couple outfits, you should definitely check out our Facebook page. You can go to that. But go to that after you listen to the interview, because the interview is really worth listening to. And you can just picture whoever you want as Rob Lathan, the comedian, wearing these insane outfits. OK, enjoy our episode.
0: Hello. Hello. I want to get out your book The Truth About Style. Great. I'm going to put out my bag cuz This is this is the I first tweet. show where we've had product placement. Well, I tweeted my bag. It's it's its, its first appearance, public appearance. How much and did I, that bag cost? It wasn't cheap. How much is not cheap? Not it was a lot. Like um, like 1000? I I you know, I honestly I don't know, really for sure. I took it and I I didn't look at the bill.
1: So if I were to sell it on eBay, let's say, just objectively,
0: Well, it's mine, so I don't know. Maybe you got a few bucks for it. I don't know. But look, it has a lock. Let me let me ask you. It's mixing a grommet (laughs) and some leopard. What's a grommet? Pony hair. What's a
1: grommet?
0: What's a grommet? Is that animal? It's an inverted stud. It's like a belly button but metal. Well, so that's, that's a good segue to my first question
1: for you. <laughs> how did writing your thesis at Vassar, Nietzsche, Thomas Mann, and Herman Brooch, the concept of self and its relationships to the creation of character in literature, <laughs> prepare you for reality television? Wow, you...
0: <laughs> you did some digging, huh? Um, well, I will tell you how. Miss Lazarus. I'm going to take off these glasses
1: because I don't think they make me look good.
0: Um, I I couldn't, I don't know if I could have answered that question (laughs) (laughs) Um, until now, actually. I certainly couldn't have answered it when I was at Vassar, because <laughs> I had to make up my own major in order to write the thesis, because I didn't know what to major in. Well, and also,
1: in. to just have a sentence would be too short. Yeah.
0: Um, but it, it's really a little bit of the Steve Jobs connect the dots backwards sort of thing. But for it's me... called hindsight. It was before, yeah. before even before, Steve Jobs before existed. Steve Jobs you don't, don't need to give hindsight. him credit for that. He's got enough. Um, but it was really... <laughs> uh, no, I, well, I like to give him a little bit of credit. I was very inspired by that speech. I really was, because I do think that there is Which something... Speech? The connect the dots speech. Okay, oh, um, Because I I do think I'm now the, connecting the dots. Okay. Ahead. So I do think that there is something to the idea that we may not know why we do something when we do it. Yes. But that in hindsight, um, there, there are things that sort of connect for us. And for me, um, fashion and philosophy didn't necessarily come together until much later in my life. But it had a lot to do with the fact that um, sort of outside and inside are really kind of, you know, two sides of the same coin and that it was really important to find a way for my personal experience and my professional experience to meet and they met in terms of fashion and philosophy this is
1: becoming a vasarian yeah in 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 in,
0: in what not (laughs) to wear Uh, but in terms of self-esteem so fashion for me is not about uh what is just about what you see on the outside it's about how you feel on the inside
1: um, and you write so eloquently about all of this in your book. I really can't recommend it enough. It's called The Truth About Style. And one of the things you write candidly about is struggling both with eating disorders and skin disorders. Yeah. And so I was worried. I felt bad. I mean, going into an industry that idealizes this unattainable form of beauty,
0: was that healthy for you? Well, I think it was a, I think it was a compensatory reaction for okay. me. I think when you um, are covered in red scales over your entire body from your neck down. Just to
1: preface for people because they can't see that because you don't have that now. Right, but I don't have psoriasis. that now,
0: but I had psoriasis. I was diagnosed at the age of four. Um, I still have it. You, it's a chronic disease. You never get rid of it. Um, but I did, it was most severe when I was 11, and I had scales that covered me from the neck down. Um, at the age of 11, it was, it was not the best of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt a little bit like a monster. If you read the book or if you've heard me talk about the book, I I did talk about that a lot. I do think that that is where my interest in all things sparkly and beautiful and perfect started. Um, Definitely that interest in moving towards those things, you know, sort of like a turkey towards glitter. (laughs) But, But... in the, in the sense that, you know, I had very low self-esteem and I wanted to be around things that were beautiful. And so, of course, I went towards fashion and I, you know, I went, my first job was at Vogue. Um, but it spent, I spent 14 years in fashion before I got to What Not to Wear. It wasn't until I got to What Not to Wear, which was completely by accident, um, and and
1: very different. I mean, you, you segued from working in a very high-end multimillion dollar business that's helping to dress models and style these gorgeous, you know, shots to working with everyday quote unquote people, myself included, but you know, individuals and helping them with fashion. It's a very different market, I would say, than
0: working at Vogue. No? Well, it's a very different market. And also I was behind the camera there, and then all of a sudden in front of the camera, which You know, frankly, took me a little while to work out. How did that happen? (laughs) Fashion-wise. If any of you remember the early seasons. (laughs) It was not altogether pretty. But my my point, yes, is that it it actually, it didn't click for me that I was sort of missing something in fashion. I kind of got disillusioned a little bit with fashion and and sort of all the glamour of it and how fabulous everybody is and, you know, what Karl Lagerfeld is doing this month. Um, I got bored. Who is
1: that? I'm just kidding.
0: Um, (laughs) He's Nietzsche's cousin, um, <laughs> but um, but I got I got a little bit bored of that, and and it wasn't until I got to what not to wear, and I saw that working with anybody who is struggling with their sense of themselves in any way, their sense of identity, you know, be it somebody who, I don't know, wants to be in the fashion world or, or I don't know, wants, is a mom who stays at home with three kids who just wants a pair of jeans that makes her ass look great, that there is something so rewarding in allowing or um, aiding somebody in, in being able to see themselves differently. And, and be, being able to sort of help them and aid them in that uh, was, was a completely different proposition than being at a Chanel show.
1: I felt it found it so helpful because when I started stand-up, I was told I wasn't fuckable enough at the comic strip to perform there. I'm not kidding. And I know I disagree. Well, you too. are now, lady. <laughs> but it was really helpful to to see your show because I was like... All of a sudden, something that had been such a part of my life, which was dressing cute, became this weird thing. And I, I like would try. I mean, I wasn't wearing shoulder pads and trying to look like Paula Poundstone, but I, I you would perform. I hope not. You would perform gender in the way in your job and be like, "What does a female comic look like? How am I not distracting people from listening to me?" And all these different things. And I found the well, show very helpful.
0: You know, I do think it is very. And you bring up. I mean, gender is a huge thing when 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 we talk about what are we supposed to look like in a in a particular set of circumstances um female comedy being something very specific um when we talk about an industry that is generally considered like a male industry and all of a sudden you know you have women that are becoming successful and are getting noticed and they don't know how to be funny without being no that wasn't the problem no, it was <laughs> dressing funny but and at the
1: same time
0: <laughs> be you know, feminine or or if you're too pretty then you know all of a sudden that's a problem you know that that really speaks to a, a bigger problem about the industry um you know i hate the idea that that gender has to be suppressed in order for you to feel successful in any industry well it's evolved i mean dramatically now i mean it's it's certainly
1: changed a lot but i when i started out and i think most people deal with all of these things of but particularly women of how do i dress so that i am taken seriously in an industry where people are actually wondering whether I'm fuckable enough and not asking that about Woody Allen or Jerry Seinfeld. Well, you'd
0: never ask that about Woody Allen. I hope not. (laughs) There aren't clues in the world to make Woody Allen fuckable. Now, (laughs) I mean, I am talented, but not that talented. I did. I did want to ask. What's the weirdest incident
1: of being asked about? Can I have one of these? Yes, please have a mint. What is? I what wonder. is your weirdest incident of being asked for advice? Because I imagine people come up to you all the time. My
0: favorite. I have to say, because this is the one that really. <laughs> it's what? Why are you laughing already? I haven't even told you what it is. <laughs> There are a couple, but, it, but but there's one category that's my favorite, and the reason is is because I actually had to teach myself how to style. Um, the, the The first time was when, um, uh, well, from far away, it looked as if a woman uh, was coming up to me, who you know probably was you know around my age, mid 40s, maybe maybe a little bit older. I don't know. It was I hard to tell. Better. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, but walking towards me in a, in a dress that I felt was like perhaps a little bit too young for her. And, you know, I, I, something was off about her hair. And then I'm, she's getting closer to me and closer to me. And I'm like, that is not a woman. <laughs> and uh, she came up to me and said, I'm, pr- I'm a pre-op. And I've been wow. I've been dressing as a woman for five years, and I was like, we have to work on your color palette and definitely like the length of your dresses if you're going to do this. And that's when I really started thinking about like how important it is for transgender, uh, specifically, that the styling become uh, a real really this as if you know, kind of issue. Why is Spanx false advertising?
1: I just feel like, why look like who you aren't? And then the person comes home with you, they're going to notice. Like, it just seems like... Okay, that's very,
0: I, I don't know, you're, go, you're going down a whole Bridget, like, Jones Road here, isn't it? What is it? Bridget, is, it that, is that her name? Right? Like, when she's like, oh, I'm wearing my fat underwear. First of all, I, I mean, I actually believe in the power of Spanx. I believe in slimmers and all of that stuff. I think they do great, wonderful things that actually kind of smooth out lumps and bumps when you want them to. But if you're going on a date, don't wear them if you're worried that you're going to bring that person home and you're all self-conscious about it. I mean, it's, it's called pre-planning. <laughs>
1: Well, I want to um, thank you for coming on to the show. I will I will plan better in my future. I did. I know you love cats, but so ah! I got you Cat Fancy. I love Cat Fancy. <laughs> thank you very, thank very you. much to Stacey London. Here's... concludes this episode of the employee of the month show thank you to all of you for listening thank you to Ryan Fountain Ian Mazoff the WGA UCB six-point harness please do donate please go on vacation for me I will live vicariously you can send me your photos and do not miss our September 18th live taping at the Bell House in Brooklyn you can get tickets at employee they are on sale I would get them before it sells out and you can also go there and donate and check out how to subscribe to the podcast Thank you so much. Did I mention vacation? If you don't want me to live vicariously through it, you can also invite me on it. Enjoy.